the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days, the gory days. 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 Once again, we're going to have to change that opening song and probably that tagline because we are moving away from just the 80s and just the 90s, away from pigeonholing ourselves into what is still an amazing decade and we'll certainly return to. But today we're taking a wide leap from there. Last week we listened, uh, we talked about the movie Signs from 2002 and today we are leaping way ahead in the future. But before we get into any of that, I wanted to introduce our guest today. Whew, I gotta catch my breath. It is a crazy world. I guess that's why I'm all out of breath. Things are not the same as they used to be. We are living in a world where government workers are not getting paid and teachers are not working. They're striking for some pretty reasonable demands, but this is not a political podcast. This is a podcast about movies. So the person that I brought in today has a lot to share with us about the world of TV, movies, and entertainment in general. She comes from a world of development and marketing distribution, now currently an assistant at Clear Talent Group LA, specifically in the Young People's Department. Aileen O'Brien is here. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. How you doing? Here. I'm good. good. Welcome to the gory yeah. days. So the young people's department, yes. that's ideally people 13 and under? Actually, we represent from as early as probably, well, yeah, our, our, our uh, roster starts from babies up until a little bit over 18, um, our uh, uh, clients range. If they're over 18, they can still play younger. So, so really as young as being an infant up until, yeah, as long as they can still play high school. Very cool. <laughs> so, yeah. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Aileen, <laughs> who are you? Uh, well, I am, uh, should I go into like where <laughs> if you I'm want, from? Yeah. Are you a okay. writer? Are you a director? Are well, you? Well, I kind of dabble, I've dabbled in everything. Um, I feel like I'm a well-rounded, um, uh, filmmaker. I, I haven't really made films in a really long time, but I've dabbled in kind of everything. So I've done a little bit of writing, done a little bit of directing, a lot of producing um, in my time, especially in college. I did a lot of student films. So um, had a lot of experience with that. So I feel like I appreciate every aspect of film, TV, and, and the whole medium. Have you so. acted? I did when I was in high school in, okay. in theater. So I, I am a big lover of the arts. So you've so, done, yeah, a little yeah. bit of everything. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> so you've directed, you've written, you've produced. Mm-hmm. Where you you you've been around the block certainly more yes. than I have. I feel like when I moved here uh, a couple of years ago, I, I'm still kind of green and I'm still learning about the business. Same. But I'm you sorry. jumped right into it as an intern, like right away. Was that right mm-hmm. out of college or during? Yeah. So well, when I um, was in college, I was a junior. I did a study away program out here in Los Angeles. I'm originally from the East Coast. That's where I went to school. Oh, okay. Um, so I did a program out here for a semester, and I. Uh, jumped in, did a lot of schoolwork here, and then I also interned at a development, uh, had a development internship at Demarest Films. So they're mostly known for the might, uh, the Night Manager. Um, uh, what's that film that just came out? Uh, Hacktall Ridge. With oh, really? Mel Gibson. Yeah. Oh. So it was really cool being a part of that. Uh, Mel Gibson was in Signs. We talked about yeah, last week. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it was really fun, and I really enjoyed learning about the business aspect of the industry. I didn't learn anything about that. So when I had that internship, I was like, whoa, this is a thing that people do for a living. This is so cool. So 
Um, I really enjoyed that. And then, um, yeah, did a distribution internship with Oscilloscope Films. They're a really small indie uh, uh, and form film distribu- distribution company. So um, got some marketing experience in there as well. And then as soon as I graduated, I moved out here and I was like, I need to be here where everything's happening. And I want to just absorb everything as much as I can. So, yeah. When was that? When did you move out to L.A.? Uh, June 2017. Okay. Oh, so. okay. I moved out here in May of 2017. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, so pretty much the same time. Yeah. But you yeah. jumped right into it with that yes. internship and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, development, developing Hacksaw Ridge. Do you, do you want to get into a little bit of that for our listeners who don't know what that is? Is it like taking the, the script as it was and mm-hmm. shoveling around a bunch of rooms? Go ahead. Yeah, so well, when I had my internship, they were actually... Um, starting production for it. So I didn't get to see so much of the development process with that just because they already... Um, they were further ahead. Yeah, they were further ahead. So the producer on it was actually going to Australia where they filmed it. So um, he was actually... Um, flying there sometimes and coming back and um, they yeah I think majority of the film they filmed in Australia so he was kind of back and forth so that was something that was ongoing so I don't have a um, I didn't have a lot of experience with reading the script or anything like that but um, I did with other things so I, I yeah did a lot of reading scripts doing coverage for that which I really liked I read you know, sci-fis, Western sci-fis and um, dramas um, and did a lot of scripts, uh, script coverage on books, too. So, oh, wow. So and then I, yeah. To be optioned into movies? Yeah. Okay. And I, it's funny because I'll I don't know if I can say this because NDA stuff. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but I, I do know some uh, uh, films that are actually now are in pre-production. That's pretty cool. Uh, so which is neat. So I got to see kind of. Uh, I, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I saw something that I remember doing script coverage on when I was an intern and now working in, uh, in the agency world, I see that now they're casting for that that project and you're on the other side of so it so it's really funny because i'm like well now we want our clients to get on that on that film so it's it's really funny to see how much it's grown and i've and yeah that when i did the internship out here for that company it was in 2015 so it's been just a couple of years so it's been pretty fast paced um so i always think that's just funny to really see how films can just grow in such a short period of time so no that's something that i've yeah. come to realize i mean I, I had an idea of it when i was a kid i've watched movies my whole life and i've yeah. loved movies but you know, it was always at the credits. It was always, wow, look how many people it takes to make this movie. Why does it take so many people to make this movie? And, Mm -hmm. you know, the more you learn, you realize that it takes a ton of people, way more than even on the credits to to make the movie. Even just, you know, being a PA on set and you need, you know, someone for craft services or uh, actually... Something I've seen a lot more is production babies is in the credits. Oh yeah, because movies take so long. Yeah, so they need like they call them production babies, which I think is a really cute name. Yeah, especially I think in like uh, Incredibles two was a super long one of all the production babies that they had. Yeah, it takes takes a village. Yeah, but Um, but yeah, it can take years. Like I I don't Mm -hmm. remember when I first figured it out, but yeah, it's like uh, a script like even the movie we're talking today was written ten eight to ten years Mm -hmm. ago and just sits in a drawer until the demographics uh, appear or or right. some other movie turns it like makes money and they're like oh okay now we can make this now that yeah. it's safe kind of thing yeah um so of all of the world uh that you've been in which is the most interesting to you at this point oh that's a, writing producing distributing developing 
It's acting. <laughs> yeah. I certainly cannot. I give so much credit to actors because it's it's a hard thing. Just being told no all the time. I, oh, my God. Even children actors. Like, oh, there's yeah. some moments in the movie today where I was like, how do they oh, do that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I give major kudos to them. Um, I really, really enjoy, I think, development and, and uh, creative marketing. Oh, yeah? Um, so seeing... So I'm in, like, the, that's kind of pre and post. Yeah, which I, I find it funny that I'm like <laughs> one in the spectrum and then the other, you know, of, of the whole process. But um, it's really interesting to, uh, to pitch a movie or pitch a TV series. I, I think it's really cool when I got to do my internship and see how they um, pitch an idea to someone and yeah. then what kind of resources they use to help influence a studio or network saying, hey, this is, you know, this is the reason why you should do that. We're going to, you know, attach some stars to it. You know, this person would be perfect for it. They have a production company that, you know, would love to do this as well. And then um, on the creative marketing side, using, you know, campaigns or um, types of other resources. Actually, I'll kind of give an example. So I I don't know if you've seen, when I interned for Oscilloscope, do you know the movie The Love Witch? No. No. Okay. So it's a very... Is it a horror? The Love well, Witch? Well, actually, some people might say it's a bit of a <laughs> horror. Not. It's. It, it definitely... I don't know if it really stays in one it's category. A more, oh, multi-genre. Yeah. It's a very art art house film, for sure. Uh, Anna Biller's the director. Okay. Um, basically, it's about um, this witch who... She goes up to Northern California... And she invades this town pretty much, and she kills all the men okay. <laughs> pretty much. So, um, so we used some of the props in that film, and we sent it to different um, uh, places like Rolling Stone magazine and Wall Street Journal, just kind of like you know helping, like, hey, watch the movie. You yeah. know, this is a prop from the movie. Like, you know, recreated it as, as just something fun. So I thought, oh, that's that's, that's a really cool way to kind of get the movie out there, and and for a movie that you know it's more for a niche audience. So I thought that that was really cool getting to do that. And it was, it was fun, you know, getting the word out there, I think. Especially so. on a small scale. Uh, yeah. That, that, that sounds really interesting. You can take yeah. more risks. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Than just, you know, like with these major motion pictures, it's oh, usually yeah. a couple posters, a teaser trailer, right. a regular trailer, and then a trailer that gives way too much story away, and then the movie Absolutely. comes out. <laughs> yeah. So they, they were really creative about it, which I was like, that's that's awesome. <laughs> cool. So. so is that kind of where you'd want to stay? I know we're all kind of young and trying to figure out what we want to do, but do you have an idea oh, yeah. of where you want to head, where you want to end up? no idea. I mean, yeah, I mean either. <laughs> I know. It's, it's yeah. It's, Maybe uh, I'll just keep doing this. <laughs> giant question mark. I mean, I really enjoy, like I said, I enjoy all aspects of the entertainment industry. Um, and I, working my current position in the Young People's Department, I really enjoy that too. Um, and, you know, booking our talent for jobs. I really think that's interesting. It's so cool to see them, uh, you know, book big jobs. You know, they started out, you know, doing small commercials or something. And now we see them um, booking these big feature films, which is so cool. So um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to do everything. Yeah. Does it ever <laughs> so. happen where uh, at the Young People's Division at uh, Clear Talent Group LA, does it ever happen where somebody comes up out of the woodwork and they've mm-hmm. been doing commercials and stuff and then they, because of you guys, get placed in some amazing picture like Get Out or something like that that you mentioned off mic um, mm-hmm. and then they leave because they're enormous and they go over to WME or, or um, ZAA or UTA or things like that and you have to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah. well, also... Especially what, with the kids, that must be hard. Yeah, and also what happens is sometimes they just grow out of our division. They're, they, you know, oh, right. they're, they're not, you know, a kid anymore, and they, you know, they need somewhere where they can really grow. So that's, you know, it's a little sad, but 
um, the agents that I assist, they've been, they've been in the industry for a really long time. And they, uh, they'll always say the, you know, people that come in the office, yeah, you know, we, we, you know, met them when they were five years old and now we go, we go to their weddings or we go to their college graduations and stuff like that. So they, they keep that relationship good, which I think is really, I really admire. So that's great. I didn't realize it was that personal. Have you been invited to any kind of events for celebrities or things like that? I've been to one event. Uh, one of our clients had a, um, uh, is on a new Disney series. So I got to go to the premiere party, which was interesting. So it was a lot of fun. Cool. Seeing like all a the... Disney funded premiere party. It, it wasn't Disney funded. Oh. It was, um, it was, uh, her manager had a, a, a premiere party for her and, uh, her friends. So it was, it was cool to see, uh, all the kids really excited and it was, it was fun. We got to, <laughs> you know, watch the premiere and it was really cute. That it was is fun. fun. <laughs> so man, when you go home and you talk to people and you like, do they think like, Oh wow. Do, have you met a uh, Brad Pitt? And do you hang oh, out yeah. with, because like you're, you're a talent, you're in talent. Like if anything, yeah. you are right there. Right. And as part of your job, you interact with them regularly. So are you, you know, the most popular person oh. when you go home? <laughs> well, I'll tell my family what I, what I do. And they're very confused. Sometimes they're parents. I'll, it's more of when I explain my job, my job, you know, what, what I do, they'll be like, oh, okay. And they just don't get it, which is fine. I mean, I grew up in upstate New York and that's you know, oh. working in the industries. People are like, oh, you moved to LA? What? Like, it's something that's not yeah, really heard of. One other option. But, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk to them about that and they'll be like, oh, okay. And then I'll tell them pretty much like, oh, these are the people I've met you know going into starbucks across the across the street from my office and i just see like you know a famous youtuber or something like that or i go to the uh i actually funny i went to the los angeles ballet uh last christmas and down the row from me was brad garrett from everybody's love yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, i'm sure like, you could hear him from across uh, oh, the yeah. room <laughs> at first me and my sister were like uh, that, that looks like him and then we heard his voice we're like yep that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> so they'll they're they find that pretty amazing. So it's just well because that's something they know they've seen. Oh, everybody yeah. loves Raymond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I tell them, yeah, you know, I've you know met a couple people and they're you know really nice and that kind of thing, they they get really excited for me. Um, it's just when I try to explain what I do, they're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, and they just want to be supportive, <laughs> but they really don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, I appreciate the effort. They they want to know, and and they just I know it's a it's a weird thing, you know. I wonder sometimes if strange. even like some of the most successful of us. Like, does John Krasinski go home to his parents and try to explain his success oh, yeah. and them go, oh, okay. And then, oh, did you know Susie down the street had a oh, baby? Like, yeah. it just doesn't matter. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I wonder, I think about it, like, I wonder when he started working on The Office, they're like, you're just <laughs> running around, you know, there's a camera following you and you look at it occasionally. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I... I think he's awesome. I, I was really excited to see him in this film. Sorry to yeah, sidetrack. No worries. No, no. Um, so uh, is there something that like you're working on privately? I know a lot of people in the industry, you know, they mm-hmm. find time to like carve out something for like their screenplay or for the yeah. videos that they're working on. What's something that you're doing? If it is like, I want to boost your signal here oh, and let you. people know where to find your work. Well, I have... I do work on something, but I haven't, you know, I haven't put it out yet. Oh, so sure. it's, so it's, it's not out there for people to really see. Um, I, I try to dabble in some writing here and there, but it's so hard to write yes. because I, I feel it's very like vulnerable. It, it certainly is. And I feel like when I write, I, it'll be great when it's in my head. I'll be like, Oh, this is great. You know, when I write it down everyone's going to love it. And then I actually do it. And I'm like, Oh how, no, this didn't, this didn't come out the way I wanted it to. I've been experiencing so. the exact same thing. You have this great idea. Yeah. And then as you're writing it, it becomes, Oh, oh gross. <laughs> 
excuse me. It no, becomes excuse. something else. And I feel like that's probably why writing duos is oh, such yeah. a popular thing because being able to keep each other on track and focused right. and yeah, 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 is, is, is probably easier with two people. It, yeah. You know, I think I, I, I do get a lot of advice from people. I try to bounce ideas off of them and they're like, oh, you know, that's great. You know, maybe you should try this. And, and that certainly helps. It's yeah. just very hard to to get an idea and to really stick with it. And even when I say, oh, this turned out horrible when <laughs> I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to be great. And so it, it's just really sticking with it. So there are a couple things I dabble in. but cool. um, And you have the you benefit know. of being on the inside and reading so many scripts yeah. and books and treatments and things like that Absolutely. that you have an idea of what works and what doesn't based on, yeah. I don't know, what your boss is like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to try to read and, and watch everything I can to to know what is great, what, you know, my taste to what I like may be different from someone else and try to try to learn everything I can. I, I, I miss learning. Does having all <laughs> so. of this knowledge kind of affect your movie watching now? And when you watch oh, things, yeah. it's hard to kind of shake all of the things that you know, the, the 50 people that are standing outside of frame. Yeah, and, I funny, and the, funny enough, when I was because I, I rewatched A Quiet Place last night, um, there's a part which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into, yeah. but there's this old man that screams. Yes, 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 yes. I just it's a think, big moment. yeah, I just think, oh man, I wonder how many takes that took. And they were like, <laughs> all right, we need you to scream as loud as possible. So I always try think, to hold it in, like really wait until the last yeah, minute. Yeah. I try to think like, hmm, wonder what that was like on set. And I wonder how long that took or stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely changed my perspective, but it's also, I, I think I give more respect now to films and, and movie and TV shows. I'm like, Oh, you know, that, that take that probably took forever. It took so much money to do. So for like, me, it's hard to not pick when I watch a scene, it's hard for me to not picture what it was written, like yeah. how it looked on the page. Oh, yeah. And it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, uh, a man walks into the room and does the And it's just yeah. like so many things are like, how do you write that? How would I you know. write that to be as effective as it is visually on the page? Mm -hmm. Um, that and the music. I, I, I'm trying oh, to be, I'm mm -hmm. trying to like broaden my horizons because it's so easy to ignore sound and music mm -hmm. and like even lighting and things yeah. like that when you're watching a movie because that's kind of their job is that if mm -hmm. they're doing it so well, you're not noticing it. Um, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of elements that go into it and if one thing is off, you'll know, like you yeah. can notice it. And then, even you know, a non-scholar, it'll, right. it'll notice it right away. And it kind of takes you out of the movie. So you have to be really careful and really go all in. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I used to, re when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Foley artist. I thought that was so oh, cool. Yeah. Um, for listeners who don't know what that is, every sound effect, well, not every sound effect, but a lot of sound effects in movies are not captured on set. People walking down a hallway or um, putting change into a parking meter or something like that is uh, diegetic. Is that the, yeah, it's diegetic. Yeah. Oh, I think it's Dianetic. Or, no, I think you're right. Sorry. No worries. I, I don't know if it's spelled. Whatever the word is, there's people screaming at their iPods yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, whatever the word is, it's um, sound that is supposed to be happening in the scene, but they couldn't record because the boom mics are, you know, near their head. And so Foley artists will need to recreate like a dog walking down a hallway <laughs> or horses galloping or even bones breaking and things with like celery wrapped in uh, uh uh, towel or uh, literally like uh, coconuts like going like that or oh, whatever yeah. mm -hmm. and I thought that was so fascinating and I still think of it today when I'm watching movies and, and I think like well that that sounds too perfect those oh, yeah. heels walking down a, a doctor's lobby sounds just too perfect if you if you don't know what it is what Foley is I remember actually maybe a year ago there was this video that surfaced on Facebook all my Facebook friends were, were sharing it and it was this two Foley artists and, and it, it's really funny to see 
you know, when they watch the screen and then, yeah, like they'll, you know, break celery or something. So you can find it on YouTube, I'm sure, if you're still confused. That's, the part, <laughs> that's the part that I'm forgetting is that they have to do it in time with yeah. the footage, which is insane. Because, yeah, they're sitting there and they're like, okay, crunch. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Um, I yeah. And actually, it's something I'm really I really am interested in, too, is is sound design when i yeah. i did a, a a class in college i keep bringing up oh all the classes i did no college. please but uh i did this really cool uh sound design class and for our final project we had to take an episode of scooby-doo and we had to literally recreate all <laughs> the, the sound sounds effects? even the voices oh. and even, oh they gave you a silent clip oh, of Scooby-Doo? oh yeah That's silent great. episode oh, full and episode. full episode and i had to like redo chandelier swinging and and scooby you know crashing into things it was really fun that does it, sound fun it took a long time to do <laughs> but um our, our professor was like okay yeah you can you know you don't have to have the scooby voice or the shaggy voice you can do like a crazy voice and i i don't know people think yeah, that cause I, you're not casey Kasem. i i know i i, I can't make voices as great as him but a lot of my classmates were like alien you can do all the funny voices because apparently i make funny voices which i'm like okay i so well then, this one so far has been hilarious i can't wait to hear your normal voice <laughs> thank you so they they made me do all the voice well the majority of the voices and the, the ghosts in the episode Great. so so if you watch i think i have it i on wish i my, took that class that sounds awesome it was really fun it the if you listen to it the majority of the characters are me talking like i think <laughs> that's maybe, good experience so it was really fun so i i yeah i respect people who do sound design fully that, takes a long time and I think a lot of precision so. especially with sci-fi where a lot of the yeah. noises simply don't exist and they have to create them with yeah. things that do exist and doctor them or oh, yeah. you know post uh like chewbacca and darth oh, vader and all of mm-hmm. those noises yeah i will say one of my pet peeves is in those uh crime procedural shows like one of my favorite shows is criminal minds i love that show but one thing that always drives me nuts is when you know they're on the computers and it'll like be the beep boop bop noise and i'm like computers don't make that noise i love I'm that sorry and it'll be in like ncis too i'm like i'm sorry no one <laughs> computers don't do that every keystroke <laughs> makes a beep or yeah. something or i love when it's like it, uh in like super sci-fi uh the oh, yeah. the whole thing will be touch screen and it's oh. still making like mm-hmm. boop, 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 and they'll like swoosh they'll throw yeah, something yeah. up and it'll make a big uh. like across the wall like, I don't think that's how it would sound. But at the but same okay. time, it's like if those weren't there, it, it, it would be more weird. Like yeah, if it was just silent, yeah. and they're just going. It adds a little flavor, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. I, I always. But it is annoying. Like, I mean, for uh, you and me. Yeah. yeah, but it's 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 a whatever. Yeah. So pivoting a little bit, what <laughs> is your relationship to horror specifically, the genre? Yes. So I used to be very afraid of horror movies. Funny enough, I've I think I told you the story. I um, when I was in high school, I remember watching. It was around Halloween. The on IFC, The Exorcist was playing, and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll give it a watch because you know I thought I was brave and How I was an adult. I was maybe like 16, 17. So I was watching it and then I was like, nope. (laughs) No, thank you. I can't do this. This is like... That's a great one, The Exorcist. It's... it's Is that 70s? Yeah. I think... um, Yeah, Warner Brothers came out in the 70s. Um, I don't know what year in the 70s. 1973. 73, okay. And yeah, I mean, the effects are really... For its time, the effects are really great and I've since watched it all the way through. I still really don't like to watch it because it's really scary for me just because I was scarred for life at 16 sure. watching it. But um, 
it's it's a good movie, but it really gets in your head. So from there, I was like, never again. And then I started watching it more and more. And then I realized you have to watch horror movies with other people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's it, it's like riding, you know, going to an amusement park when you ride roller coasters. Or the haunted and maze. Yeah, you have to like, it, it causes a visceral effect. So you need to like, scream and but also with other people so you realize okay i'm not alone yeah <laughs> scared and now i feel bad sometimes when i go to horror movies and i'll watch it with other people like my best friend claudia um hey claudia uh <laughs> shout out <laughs> sorry i'm gonna kind of roast you a little bit um she'll when we went to see the nun over the summer Ooh. she um was like no 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 she was like freaking out in her seat and i just couldn't help but laugh because her reactions were just really funny so sometimes i'll like kind of chuckle because sometimes the way people react is, yeah. is funny so it's better much better when you go to the movies with other people i realize but that's interesting the reason you gave that it's because yeah. it's like being scared that after one where you're like desperate to look for a human yeah. connection after that and go like this was scary to you yeah. too right that's right. fascinating yeah i've realized that it's better the camaraderie <laughs> it's better when you watch it with someone else and then more and more i'm realizing i can watch it on my own it's fine if i need to but if it's a really really scary movie i think i'm gonna want one another human with me yeah so <laughs> i don't think what else case. is uh the other thing that's interesting is the exorcist it's it's not necessarily super relatable but yeah. that doesn't matter it's not about oh, yeah. it being like this could happen to me maybe if you were catholic you could think yeah. like oh no i could be uh, uh possessed or whatever but it's it's more about just like the the it takes place in like one house on one right. night and it's a woman it's a mother just wanting her daughter to come back mm-hmm. and her daughter just Linda Blair becoming just grosser and grosser with every yeah. scene and that's like the real slow suspense horror with right. all of the like you know freak out stuff is like it, and and then um, the and, ending oh yeah and it just really affects the family too and I try I mean, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen The Exorcist yeah yeah sorry we spoiled it um but it. I try to more try to look at the story more now and realize, okay, even though there's, you know, it's really scary and that's, you know, my main, where my attention's really going, I try to look at the story and realize, okay, it's really about this mother, you know, needing to come to terms with things and realize, you know, in the end, all she needs to do is just try to help her daughter. Yeah. So I try to look at that instead of being super scared and being like, ah, but you it know. Takes, it takes a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to like toot my own horn, but it takes, you yeah. know, not, a, not an educated mind, but right. a seasoned moviegoer mind to be yeah. able to peek behind the curtain and understand what's, you know, be- behind the story. What are the themes? What's really yeah. being discussed mm-hmm. here? Yeah. What's the overarching narrative really yeah. trying to discuss? And I think sometimes, I think in the past, especially horrors got a bad rep almost because, you know, oh, it's the slasher movie. You know, the same tropes happen all the time. Definitely but... in the era that we focused on, the 80s and 90s, yeah, big time. Definitely. But now I think there's a real resurgence. And I mean, you see it with reboots and everything, but even then they're, you know, a lot of people are going it, going to these movies and, and really realizing, you know, oh, okay, maybe it doesn't need to be, you know, the same slasher and then, you know, the girl running away or everything like that. There's much more to it. And it, yeah, I think it's kind of getting a lot more respect. Lately. We're in a golden age of horror. <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know how it started, but horror has become a such respectable genre that Definitely. it's one of the few ones that is not mired by franchises and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you have the, the thrillers, like The Purge and all of that nonsense, mm-hmm. but th- it's the only one that I know besides, you know, maybe dramas and romances and things like that where people will go to a new horror with a name yeah. that they haven't recognized, they've never seen mm-hmm. before, with people that probably aren't that famous, right. and they'll still eat it up 
up and it'll still become this huge thing. It's changed a little bit in this golden age where in the past, horror was this like haven for no names to get started because yeah. they would mostly die or whatever. Now horror movies are becoming more like critically acclaimed Definitely. and have major uh, money behind it. So mm-hmm. they're hiring bigger names and things like that, which is bringing more people to see the horror right. movies. So it's just this great cycle that, that yeah, I love. Definitely. I, I agree. I mean, um, I, some of, I think they make you think too, mm-hmm. which is really great. It, it doesn't, you're not just going to sit there and be like, okay, eating my popcorn. All right, bye. You know, going mm-hmm. to the grocery store. Now you actually think about the movie afterwards and it makes you change your perspective a little bit. If, if that does it for me, then I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I loved it. Because <laughs> I feel like the best dramas, they will make you think, but it's mostly about like maybe society or sociopolitical yeah. uh, mm-hmm. relationships or maybe even, you know, your relationship with people. Um, but horror is a genre that examines the kind of like human themes that Definitely. others can't. Like how far will a father go to protect his children or mm-hmm. how much is one willing to lose to, to, uh, to have it all or whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's why I love horror because it'll push the envelope in ways that no other films do. It breaks tropes. It pushes boundaries in ways that shock. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, And so horror itself has kind of blossomed into its own subgenres. There's romance horrors and (laughs) horror comedies and horror. uh, There's even, yeah, just like uh, thriller horror. Yeah. Thriller horrors. Um, And I I love them all. Uh, But um, the one that we're talking about today uh, is A Quiet Place, kind of reflecting the turmoil that our country is faced with today. The world is not the one that I once recognized, nor anyone does. And that's probably how the people in this film felt today. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have more A Quiet Place, more Aileen O'Brien right here on The Gory Days. The Gory Days. Welcome back to the Gory Days. I'm here with Aileen O'Brien, fantastic writer, producer, director, and sometimes actor, voice actor, um, agent to the stars. Uh, and we were talking about the movie A Quiet Place that came out just last year, 2018, uh, really just a few months ago. Uh, it was in April of 2018. The movie, if you haven't seen it, I'll just give a little quick tiny synopsis. The plot revolves around a family facing struggles in a post-apocalyptic world inhabited by blind monsters with an acute sense of hearing. Not the best log line. I feel like it could have a little more pathos in there about how, like, um, I don't know, a family... How how would we punch that up? A a father must keep his family silent to survive in a post-apocalyptic world. And it's like, ooh, why? Why does he have to be silent? Some mystery to Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm not here to improve anybody's (laughs) synopsis here. I took that off of the Wikipedia, but some quick background. A Quiet Place premiered at South by Southwest on Friday, March 9th of 2018, and then was released uh, nationwide in the United States on Friday, April 6th by Paramount Pictures. It had a budget of 17, it says 17 to 21 million dollars. Do you want to guess what it grossed? In just nationwide, not worldwide. Oh man, I I know it did very well. Um, I'm gonna be way wrong. I'm gonna say thirty million. It's not even close. To no that. worries, I'm terrible at this. I'm sorry I'm to put that bad. on you. Oh no, it's okay. That's a good guess though. Three hundred forty million. Oh, yep, I was very off. <laughs> it made three hundred forty point wow. nine million dollars off of seventeen to twenty one wow. million. Good for Paramount. Really good. good I mean, it's a really small cast. <laughs> it There's is. only um, one, two, three, four, five, uh, technically six, seven characters. John Krasinski, 
as we all know from The Office, and now Jack Ryan on Amazon. He's really yeah. trying to reinvent himself away from that goofy guy that we all know. <laughs> uh, stars as the father, Lee Abbott. He's also the director of this movie and one of the screenwriters. He didn't actually write the original idea. He punched up the script written by a couple of other people uh, from University of Iowa. Uh, they were writing it in their room. Yeah, they were roommates together, and they were writing it together 10 years ago. And wow. uh, very recently, it got picked up, and John Krasinski punched it up, and they turned it into the movie that we know. Emily Blunt, who is John Krasinski's real-life wife, stars as Evelyn Abbott, his movie wife. First time yeah. they ever per- appeared together as husband and wife. That yeah. must have been really cool. Oh, yeah. I bet that was really fun. I wish I knew that when I watched it the first time. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know. Oh, they're like my favorite celebrity couple. Their chemistry is oh, it's yeah. real. Yeah. It, yeah. If they ever break up, I, oh, it's I, will, gonna be heartbreaking. I will not believe in love anymore. I don't think I could watch this movie again. <laughs> I know. It'll break I'd be my really heart. sad. <laughs> I know. They, but yeah, they, I agree. They're, it's, it's like real. watching Mr. and Mrs. Smith now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Millicent Simmons as Reagan Abbott, an actual deaf actress portraying uh, the daughter, the oldest daughter of Lee and Evelyn's characters, Reagan. Um, And so that's part of the catalyst here is that she is already uh, deaf. So the whole family speaks sign language before the events of the movie, which allows for them to be much, much quieter than you and I would be. I don't know. American Sign Language. Noah, uh, is it Jupe or Yupe or Jupe as Marcus Abbott? He's the son, the older son that makes it, obviously. Yes. Um, And Cade Woodward as Bo, the younger son who does not make it past the opening credits. Oh my God, that blew my freaking mind. (laughs) Um, The baby Abbott that never really gets a name is played by two different uh, newborn babies, Ezekiel and Evangelina Cavoli. Um, Something I learned recently is that a lot of the time when um, babies, newborn babies are in movies, they're cast as preemies. Uh, they'll get a uh, yes. premature baby. You probably know right. about this. <laughs> yeah. I do. <laughs> is that, well, then you tell us. Yeah, yeah. So they, um, well, a lot of times the uh, California labor laws for children are, are um, they have to work only a certain amount of hours and then they need a lot of schooling and especially for uh, newborns, especially. So they, yeah, they usually look for preemies who look smaller, you know, who can play a newborn that was just born and so. twins and twins so that they yeah. can split up the time right exactly that's that's pretty much it <laughs> i'm gonna judge a little bit here if i had twin preemies i would be concerned about putting them in a box with around hot lights and all of that stuff yeah. i just I, I, usually i i'm and, sure there's money to be made but those kids yeah, yeah. they usually have like a nurse on or, okay, or a medical professional on set too with them so they must have been yeah. so nervous when it was oh, that scene like I time bet. to put the baby in the box i know <laughs> with but the oxygen mask, mask and everything oh. and like as far as i can tell that sound is real like it really muffled that baby so it wasn't like you know uh, a movie effect or yeah. whatever they really encased it for a little Ooh. bit yeah And finally, Leon Rusum as the man in the woods. That's his only credit. That's how he's titled. Technically, the wife must have been an actress, but she's not credited because she's dead. Yeah. Probably just an extra. That man, I... (laughs) <laughs> I just love that old man. Okay, let's do it one more time. This time, just throw it away. Just throw it away. Yeah. yeah. All right. Scream. <laughs> so, A Quiet Place, if you're listening out there and you haven't seen it, turn your podcast, pause it right now, go yes. watch it, because this was an amazing movie. I don't know what I was doing in April of 2018. <laughs> I was probably waiting for Avengers Infinity War, because I missed this, and everyone was telling me it was great, and I didn't go see it, and I, I, I'm kicking myself, because the first time I saw this movie was, was last... No, two nights ago (laughs) and it's amazing it's really good 
And the world agrees it won 17 awards and was nominated for 61 others. It Ooh. won Best Sci-Fi Horror Movie from the Critics' Choice Awards. It won the AFI Movie of the Year. It was chosen by both the National Board of Review and the American... Oh, I, <laughs> I already got AFI. But the top 10 <laughs> films of 2018. All kinds of nominations, including the Glo Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. The music in this movie. Yeah, oh, my good. God. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I already mentioned Avengers Infinity War was a movie that was technically competitive at the time it didn't release the same week it was two weeks later um, another one was truth or dare as far as horror movies go that was one that came out the following week or weekend rather i forgot about that one yeah i did not see it. and i thought the marketing for this movie was kind of fun um yeah. the i don't remember what the first teaser trailer was or where did that came but i remember the posters uh i think it's just got that like big shot of emily blunt like right in front and it says if they hear you they hunt you yes yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. and then there was the other one i i read this tagline on imdb but i don't remember seeing this anywhere on any posters or stuff rule number one don't make a sound rule number two never leave the path rule number three red means run Oh, I don't remember that. That's not yeah. anywhere. And it kind no. of explains when she turns on the red lights yeah. at that one point. Because it's... it's So this movie is like, show, don't tell the movie. I freaking love it. They don't lay things out for you. They don't yeah. explain like, okay, there's no scene where they're like, and this is every day. First we get up and we turn on the lights and we make sure the sand is blah, blah, blah. No, they just show it. Yeah. They just show them surviving. Still getting a little bit ahead of myself. Um, I was surprised that there's a sequel planned for this movie. I know. I You know, I... I don't know. I <laughs> I don't want this to turn into another franchise. Yeah, I really, I don't want an origin story for where the monsters came yeah, from. Yeah, I I like if they do a sequel. I think if they focus it on Emily Blunt's character because she was amazing in this movie and her character was was really especially good. at the end. She's oh my she's God. brand. She's a new person. Yeah, the shotgun. <laughs> yeah, with that, that was smile. So badass. Um, I mean, I would love to see that. I think that would be great, but I don't know if it's needed. Um, so, I, unfortunately, from what I uh, have heard in November 2018, in an interview, John Krasinski said the sequel would not be a sequel to the first film, oh. wouldn't focus on the same characters. It would be different people trying to survive the same monsters. Oh, okay. Well, that could, well, you know, we did see the fire. If there are some nearby yeah. survivors. Yeah. So I wonder if, you know, if it was focused on one of those families and then at the same time it happens in real time. So, you know, like, oh, the fireworks. Oh, that's happening over, you know, down yonder. That would be the, cool. You know, I was thinking, when I read that, I thought like, oh, what if it was in a different biome that like yeah. instead of forest, it was in like like a plane, like somewhere way harder yeah. to be quiet or it's something like that. Like the Walking Dead, but Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. It takes place in a different city. That would be interesting. I, you know, that's pretty cool. I think I, I'll see it because it's so good. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll it, see it. Yeah. Why not? But see, that's, but. that's what happens is. Oh, excuse me. If if we keep doing this, if we keep supporting a good movie, and then the sequels yeah. that come out, we're teaching the movie studios that oh, that's what people want. They want right. the same thing. If we get Hereditary two and three and four, Zardon's Revenge, then they're never going <laughs> to learn anything. Yeah, I mean, if they, I think it'd be cool to do like a, yeah, anthology. I mean, well, not really anthology, but focus on that monster. But you know what? Different experiences from different people. That would be pretty cool. But that's more of something that they could do maybe on TV, I feel like. Yeah. A good series. But oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like what they're doing know. with The Purge. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, I guess it was a limited series, but it seems yeah. like it was a way to test the waters to see yeah. if this is what people yeah. want. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. No, The Purge is such a great example because <laughs> it's just like it's this kind of cool idea that makes absolutely no sense, but we'll support it for a movie that gets stretched out into oblivion and then a prequel about the first Purge yeah. and all this stuff that I don't know who wanted it. Um, I think originally when they uh, were talking about doing The Purge, the first movie, I think 
it was first pitched as a TV show. I might be uh-huh. wrong. Don't, don't correct, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, everyone. But I, I think originally... They'll be yelling at you on Twitter. Yeah, that's fine. Um, they were going to do a TV show. Okay. But then they're like, no, let's do a series. Let's get Ethan Hawke in this. Yeah. yeah, but I could be wrong. I don't know. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I read that somewhere. Um. So let's see. What else did I have here? Um. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. Yeah, all this stuff can kind of wait until after... I guess beforehand. So after years of hard work... Uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, both natives of Bettendorf, Iowa, caught their biggest break yet when they sold a screenplay to Paramount Pictures for a film called A Quiet Place. This is from an interview written back in 2009, <laughs> uh, with the, or no, I guess 2010 when they were talking. Little do they know. Yeah, so Scott Beck said in that interview, that had been a long time coming. A Quiet Place was an idea that we came up with, and while we were students at Iowa, it was like 10 or 11 years ago that Brian and I were sitting outside of our apartment on South Johnson Street talking about this idea. We kind of put it in a drawer and didn't really crack it open until a year and and a half ago and that's how it happens if you're sitting on a screenplay right now that you think is worth something and no one is buying it right now don't burn it don't shred it don't yeah. throw it away hold on to it in a couple years or five years or ten years who knows what the world is going to be ready for and they might want your screenplay at the drop of a hat yeah as yeah. seen here mm-hmm, exactly <laughs> and now the two of these guys are working they're both they're directing now uh, another mm-hmm. feature film that i don't remember what it's called i didn't care enough to do that research um <laughs> And the last thing I'll talk about uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty is the monsters. Uh, production designer Jeffrey Beecroft headed the creature design, and special effects special effects supervisor Scott Farrar created the creatures, who is also known for the creatures in Cocoon, um, special effects in Backdraft, and Transformers most recently oh. in 2007. You know... It- I last night when I was watching rewatching, I saw that it was produced by Michael Bay. Yes, so that's funny. That's probably how it happened. He yeah. went, "Oh, I know someone who can help you out." Yeah, yeah, because the monster is in the design. Uh, one other thing I thought was interesting about the monsters is that John Krasinski did a lot of the motion cap work whenever oh. the monsters were like interacting on set when they weren't, you know, just like rushing through a scene that. or something. Yeah, that's I thought because cool. you know John Krasinski is an actor. He's apparently yeah. a director. He's also a physical like yes. body actor, which I think is a totally different skill set i'm impressed that he's that talented too especially with a monster that doesn't exist in real life Mm -hmm. that we we know of uh you know you have to make all these movements and all these you know choices that's 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 a lot of work so i don't know i take it for granted i always think i can do that but then i see you know i don't know like doug jones is a person that i particularly admire he was the creature guy who was in pan's labyrinth as the 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 fawn, mm-hmm. and also the, the the guy with who eats the fairies <laughs> with his hands. He was also the fish man in the the water, shape of uh, water. the shape of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Which was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I've always admired him and his like body work and how he's able to move <laughs> around and things like that. Um, or like the the actor in Mama who played Mama with like her uh, big elongated limbs and things like that. Very creepy. Very cool. Was it just me, or sorry to interrupt, or did the monster remind you of the Demogorgon from Stranger Things? In this one? Yeah. Oh, I'm not that familiar with Stranger oh, Things. Okay. Yeah, and right. it's Never a shame because it's one of the, the reason I'm not is because it's tailor made for me. And uh, so I resent it. It's got like, it's it's just got everything that's like, don't you love this? It's yeah. like it. It's like the 80s. It's like mm-hmm. all these things you love. And I was born in the 90s, but I'm an old soul, so I like 80s things. But it's one of the things you're like, I know I'll like it, so I'll get to it eventually yeah yeah maybe maybe. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it's the only 
I don't I, I don't feel the need to go back in time unless it's like to educate myself. Like right, I most right. recently watched Nosferatu, uh, the oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, silent film. There's a scene in there where uh, there's a hyena. And it's supposed to be like, ooh, an exotic, like, weird animal. What is that creature? Because people hadn't seen a hyena yeah. at the time. And it's just like, that. It's a hyena. Yeah, but, like, <laughs> that has is kind of like the movie monster of today. It's like, people saw that and they're like, whoa, what is that? And they didn't have CGI and they didn't have... Sometimes they would just, like, dress a dog up weird and people would go, what is that? Now oh, we man. have millions of dollars of industrial light and magic being applied to John Krasinski's <laughs> body to create the same effect for audiences. Right. Yeah, it all has a place. A Quiet Place. John Krasinski and his family of one, two, three, four at the beginning of the movie oh. are at the supermarket and they are uh they're scavengers uh, it starts out on day 89 i don't know if yes. that's three months into the event or three months from an arbitrary date when they lost right that's what i i was like uh, day 89 since like i i have some well i'm sure we'll get into it some so... theories but like day since when when yeah. what was the first like day? from their first appearance and yeah. it took 90 days for them to basically wipe out everybody yeah um yeah because the yeah so um i don't want to like go beat by beat through the movie i just let's let's start here let's deconstruct the the monsters they are uh humanoid they're four-limbed things they kind of walk on all forms but they're definitely humanoid uh that hunt sound Mm -hmm. they've either evolved beyond the need for eyes or have never had eyes and they hear through these like super sensitive ears. And we get some really cool moments where we can see just how sensitive yeah, their hearing ringing. is. Yeah, there's some great moments where like they, they open up their ears and they're hearing something and you're like, what is that? And then they mm-hmm. cut to what they're hearing and it's like, oh, TV static or oh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, something um, or a heartbeat or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what are they? I don't, I wonder almost if they're aliens there is one (laughs) hint at that so uh in abbott uh so the family is abbott i'm going to try to i hate doing this i do this on the show all the time i have to either decide if i'm going to see the actors names or the characters names i can't keep switching back and writing in my notes john or jim (laughs) (laughs) so let's stick with the actors names okay abbott so uh uh actors names john krasinski oh oh, sorry oh sorry John Krasinski. Sorry. <laughs> so John Krasinski's family consisting of Emily, Emily Blunt, Millicent, Millicent Simmons, Noah, Noah Juve, and the baby. Baby's not there at the beginning. Um, they, uh, they're surviving among these uh, monsters that chase them on sound. So they have to be completely silent all the time. And the way that we're shown this is they're walking around on sand in a supermarket. And they have to walk from... It, it all takes place in upstate New York, where you're from. Did yes. you recognize anything? I didn't recognize it. It looked... The scene looked familiar. I was like, oh, yep, this is what... I've never been. Town. Is it? It's foresty and like... Yeah, it's... Um, there are certain towns that are like that where when they go to the pharmacy, you know, small town, not much much going on but there's also farmland yeah very rural but also beautiful i mean the it it takes place during the fall and the foliage story does it snow that was something i wondered like how do they survive in the snow that's what i was thinking i was like man the snow (laughs) like barefoot what do they do yeah snow makes noise it's gonna be terrible in the winter for them yeah we have to shovel (laughs) we skip a winter because we start in day 89 and then we we skip to day 472 so we get all the way back to another fall kind of they must have hibernated or something i guess i guess (laughs) they were probably in that basement maybe snow maybe it's actually safest in the winter because maybe that snow dampens sound right um but uh we find out that the monsters are attracted to sound by the 
fact that he keeps telling them to shush, they keep using sign language. This whole opening scene, we're still like, why? Are they? I mean, I already know why because of all the trailers and talking with people, yeah. but I like to put myself in that, like, I wonder why they're doing this. Like, I try to picture John Krasinski reading the script, not knowing anything and going like, oh, why? Why are they mm-hmm. being so quiet? Because that's what I'm trying to wonder. So they leave the pharmacy, but uh, Noah, the little... Yeah, wait, I want to... Oh, I think it's Bo, the character, but I don't know the actor's name. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're, I'm sorry, Cade. Yeah, Cade, Cade. Bo. Maybe we should just say the right. actors. <laughs> I mean, the characters. Ah! I'm going to get this. Yeah, okay. So, Bo, the son. Let's just get to the actors. So, Lee, Evelyn, Reagan, the deaf daughter, Marcus, the older son, and Bo, the younger son. Bo uh, took a toy with him, uh, a, a rocket ship that makes a lot of noise. And when that thing goes off... Uh, Goodbye. Lee goes running for him, and it's too late. Those monsters are fast. They are. They are really fast. You don't get a good look at what comes, but this is the first thing that like starts off the movie on an amazing note. Children are not safe. No. That's a big like that's that's supposed to be a thing in movies. Is like, well, if a kid's there, he'll probably be okay. If a giant thing is falling and a kid's there, someone's gonna swoop in and push him out of the way or something. <laughs> no, nope. no, the dad doesn't get there in time. No. And I feel like they set that up to be like, oh, yeah. no, 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 he's going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way Emily Blunt like breaks down immediately once that oh thing goes off, she so knows. good. And yeah. then how she blames herself later, how she's mm-hmm. still grieving. That's that's such a great thing. Really plays on some of the themes of this. So then, like I said, we skip all the way straight to day 472, which uh, mathematically is about one year and three months uh, from day zero or whatever yeah um and so during this you know we get kind of a montage of what their living situation is like in this house and at some point we see the basement where his dad where lee is working and there are whiteboards and newspaper clippings and all of the stuff that compiles all everything they know about the monsters Mm -hmm. and it's show don't tell we don't need a conversation about what they've learned in yeah. things. It's just, what can you pick out from all of this? It really doesn't matter, because that's not what the movie's about. It's not about the president banding together and figuring out how to stop these things once and right. for all. It's about a small family trying to survive yeah. when they're not the top of the food chain. And I think it's easy to, to get those clues. Is they you know have those missing posters yeah. and those newspaper clippings that say, it sounds. Instantly. How you're like, oh, okay. Gets that's, it right away. Yeah. Especially with a movie that only has 25 dialogue, 25 right. lines of dialogue. The yeah. first of which doesn't come in until about nine, uh, about an hour into the movie, <laughs> which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, day 472, we see those collages and stuff. And that's where we get our clue that they are, in fact, aliens. There's yes. um, a thing, one of the newspaper clippings says something uh, akin to multiple landing sites as the headline. So they are aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, not really necessary for the story, but for the sake of deconstructing the movie, I like to yeah. figure that out. So now that we know that they're aliens... Did they just come to invade us? If they're aliens, they must be smart enough to come multi-billions of light years here, but just to be um, animalistic and slaughter us? I don't know. You know, I I find it interesting. I was listening. It's rhetorical questions. So yeah. <laughs> I, I was reading a CNN article the other day where they found sounds in our universe far away. And I was like, oh, man, you know, that somewhat ch- this is a stretch, of course. I love stuff like that. Really? I, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they found what some. What kind of sounds? Something with like radio sounds, you know, just activity, I guess, going on. I, I that wasn't rocks crashing into other things. Yeah, it was. It was like a spooky thing. Like, <sighs> oh, why is there noises going on in the universe? I didn't really read the full read the full article, but um, I mean, I think that 
it, you know, there might not be like human life out there, but there's some sort of life. It might not be. You can get get into a whole no, discussion. No, no, no. But, I personally but. think it's statistically impossible, just mathematically oh. impossible, for us to be the only intelligent yeah. life in the entire yeah. universe. I mean, yeah, we'll they're... probably never ever see them in the entire of time. Right. But I believe that they're out there. Yeah. But there's no point in believing yeah. that. But, and even yeah. if, like, you know, there'll be plants. Or, like they found, you know, plants on. Jupiter. They found water. It was yeah. raining on Io or something, yeah. right? So, the, it's, you know, there's got to be some sort of life. It, it, it yeah. might not be like us or anything, but there's, you know, something going on, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't wait till we can live there. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd love those movies too, of like living off planet and stuff. Like The Martian. Freaking oh, yeah. love The Martian. The yeah. potatoes. How grounded it is. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, getting off track here. Uh, so, day 472, they are uh, pregnant. The baby oh. died, and it's been a year, so they probably had some time to grieve and then, you know, get comfortable again. And so Emily Blunt is pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that, and all I thought was, oh, good for her. <laughs> and it wasn't until she was checking her heart rate and using the stethoscope to listen to the heartbeat that it dawned on me, and I literally, like, gasped sitting there. I was like, <gasps> babies make noise! Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> What are they going to do? What are they going to do? <laughs> and then yeah. I put it together because they're making the, the basement soundproof. I, I, I was so stupid when they were, putting the, I don't, I, they were putting the like paper mache and stuff. I was like, what are they doing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't put it together <laughs> that, like, oh, that's the baby zone. Yeah. That's where the baby will be safe. Um, but uh, so the way that they survive, they have a huge farm. They have lots yeah. of corn, a, a silo full of corn, mm-hmm. but... They eat fish and veggies. <laughs> I get that fish is, you know, you need a meat. You can't... Mm-hmm. You eat protein. I guess you yes. do, but they're a vegetarian. Yeah. yeah, but vegetarians even need protein. They have to eat, like, beans and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. I imagine they didn't have. But what I thought was interesting talking with uh, somebody was that um, the aliens most likely killed all of the animals already. Like, those raccoons and stuff were, oh, yeah. were what's left, little scavengers. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they got here, birds... Uh, dogs, like anything that was making mm-hmm. noise, they probably slaughtered. So it makes sense that fish is the only kind yeah. of animal that they would have left. And there's that scene where they go in the river and and um, Lee. Yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> getting like, it. He's like, you know, oh, it's okay if you, you know, the the sound of the river is so loud, so little sounds are okay. So yeah. that's probably how the fish are safe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that they're yeah, which gets us to a pretty plot, a pretty great plot hole of the movie <laughs> that I'm sure everyone is. Excuse me, we talked about it at this point, but um, about halfway through the movie, when we get our first spoken line of dialogue, is when Lee takes his son, Marcus, on a hunting trip. He really doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to no. go so much that he would rather do homework he with is his so mom. stressed. That poor kid was so he was stressed. so scared, and the parents yeah. are like, they don't take him seriously. Yeah. He's got He's these fine. looks. <laughs> He's got these looks of like abject anxiety on his oh, face, yeah. and they're just like, it's okay. I'll take care yeah. of it. <laughs> he was so stressed. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, uh, he, he's, a, uh, his dad, Lee, takes the fish out of the water and it all gets away. And he like is ready to bolt. Yeah, he's and like, Lee, his dad has to grab him. He's like, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. And this is where he explains that when there's a loud sound, a louder natural sound nearby, you don't have to be as quiet. And mm-hmm. he demonstrates this by taking him to a waterfall. I don't know how close this is to them. It seems like it takes them the rest of the day to walk back because they don't get back until it's night time but the waterfall is this massive thing that's making so much noise that he goes (laughs) he makes a noise i was sitting there and i was like that's too loud still that doesn't sound like a waterfall don't make that noise you can hear it with the noise with the waterfall but that's not the plot hole the plot hole is (laughs) 
why don't they live next to the waterfall? I, know. I was thinking, I was like, maybe the waterfall would be a good idea. <laughs> or, <to> okay, <laughs> you could even make an argument that you can't live next to the waterfall. This is, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it's not. Just have the baby birthing place next to the waterfall. I didn't have think that of that. Temporary. That would have been a great idea. So much safer than a yeah. flooding basement. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. my God. Poor Emily Blunt. She, she, you can't leave her alone for a second. The nail. Oh my God! I, yeah, so let's was... yeah, so let's let's get into it. Um, one of the biggest, it's it's so funny. Like the smaller the thing, the bigger the reaction. Yeah. Like that. Uh, one of the biggest moments for me, and I'm sure for just the movie is, uh, uh, Evelyn is like ready to go. She is nine months pregnant. It is yeah. delivery date, and she's doing laundry. Yep. She is mother of the year because that <laughs> morning her son her son and husband went out hunting. Her daughter ran away on a temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. So she is by herself doing laundry. Her laundry bag catches on a nail on the oh stairs and she pulls and she pulls and it's loose. No problems. Except now that nail's sticking straight yep. up. And man, the way they show Foreshadowing. it. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, so subtle. <laughs> um, but it's not supposed to be subtle. It's supposed to be Chekhov's nail because when I just when that happened I thought it was going to be someone else who falls for it not Evelyn I know she comes running down the stairs because holy shit there's a monster in the house yeah that got another like actual I wrote gasp on here because it was a (laughs) real like (gasps) yeah yeah because she goes into labor before that she she like is downstairs and she's like oh i'm in labor uh, i gotta get upstairs and she sees the thing at the yeah. top of the stairs she's stuck it's in the house so she's yeah. stuck so she goes back down the stairs and she steps on the nail oh, oh my it goes God. straight through her foot and she she holds her mouth and she doesn't scream i know and she's experiencing labor and a nail in her foot but she is the strongest oh freaking my. woman in cinematic history because yeah. she lifts her foot right back up and Goes back to the basement and you think, okay, she she's made it. She's safe down here. Nope. The thing no. goes down the uh, stairs. Oh my god. What were you thinking the first time you saw that? I I when I was in the theater, I literally cringed because I was like, I was so tense. No. No. I was I was like all coiled up yeah. and everything. I mean, usually I I throughout this whole movie, I don't think I like needed to cover my eyes. At that point, I was like, no, I can't watch it. Because I've never stepped on a nail, but I know people that have, and you can just feel that feeling of when you, you know step on something a little bit hard or something like that and you're like oh no so matt i'm I'm imagining that like four times (laughs) it was just i had to like yeah it's not we're not going to pause for this uh leaf blower we're just gonna barrel on through but hey there's a leaf blower outside thanks for that this episode (laughs) is brought to you by leaf blowers um man yeah i was so tense there were two moments where i was just like coiled up in every possible way the moment where she steps on that nail and the one where the basement is flooding and the baby Mm -hmm. is like stirring and oh my god yeah monster lurking and it goes underwater all of a sudden which is crazy um yeah uh so um this was her this was she did a great job in this movie emily blunt carries this whole scene because she gets from the downstairs going through massive labor pains and Mm -hmm. the nail in her foot uh, and the dirty floor and everything, she's still able to think of a plan to turn the egg timer on on the other side of the room. It goes off, so that's distracted, and she just kind of walks she out just, of the basement. You see her face. She's, uh, she's just like, gotta go. She's so good, and she makes it all the way upstairs to the bathtub where she starts bleeding. And oh. uh, so some background on the situation there. Um, I thought it was a plot hole because it was like, she has the baby. How did it stay quiet? Babies were screaming as soon as they're born. Apparently... 
the fact that she was bleeding so much indicated that there was a problem with the pregnancy. Uh, there's a number of things that can happen, but uh, massive bright red blood like that before the baby comes is an indication that something wrong, that either the mother or the baby or both is losing a lot of blood. And so the baby was most likely born with blood loss and was unconscious until oh. it they brought it downstairs wow. and so that kind of it also explains how she was like kind of delirious when she, i mean right. i feel like she would be yeah. anyway you just had a baby and you just got your foot you know <laughs> and you were almost killed the monster was exactly. like right there and emily yeah. blunt scream mm-hmm. when she's when she's like she's holding on to it as long as she can and you see the tents because she turned on the red lights uh lee and marcus are running home to turn on the fireworks to mm-hmm. uh, distract. to distract them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So once again, here's Marcus full of anxiety going like, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. And Lee trying to explain, you have to. Your mother mm-hmm. needs you yeah. right now. And so he runs all the way out there and he lights the fireworks and they go mm-hmm. off. And man, they're low. For a second, I thought they were going to like set something on fire because it was yeah. like, it looked like a hazard. But, mm-hmm. and it works. Uh, the monsters are distracted. They they chase after Marcus. <laughs> um, Lee is able to get in and bring his wife down to the basement. So this is where it all connected. They were making the basement soundproof so that they could have right. the baby down there. And the box and oxygen tank that they had was so they could have the baby in there and have it be soundproof. And it all makes sense. Um, so this is where we get this awesome moment. There's a few moments where... Uh, uh, Lee and Evelyn really connect on screen Mm -hmm. and they don't even like, they can't really talk to each other in that first one where he's working in the lab, working in the lab. I was working in the lab (laughs) one night. He's downstairs and he's trying to fix Reagan's, uh, uh, hearing aid to make it better or it's not working that's it it's like yeah. broken and it can only hear like muffled or right. something like that um and so another thing that i read is it's not actually a hearing aid it's a cochlear implant which is something a little oh. bit different instead of amplifying the sound because she's totally deaf the actresses as well it's an implant that takes vibrations from like uh you know the air and sound and uh, from the world and converts that into sound in your brain so that you're able yeah. to like hear an illusion of what it is. I could, Cause when she had that, on, I could hear her heartbeat. I yeah. think like really muffled though. So, and how like just kind of magnets, like yeah. when she takes it off, I didn't really, I've, I've never known anybody uh, with a cochlear implant, um, at least not intimately enough to know the ins and outs of how mm-hmm. it works. Uh, I guess I did actually, when I went to, at my middle school, there was a deaf program and a lot of them must have had various things like that. Yeah. Um, but, when they're down there, they just like dance a little bit and they hug and they hold and they just show that they, they are really connected despite mm-hmm. losing one of them. Yeah. But it's the second one when they're down in the basement that Emily Blunt really lays it on. Um, and I forget the exact, I, it's, if we can't protect them, what are we? Right. It's just yeah. something like that. It's like we're their parents. And that just like brings the whole movie focused right down to it's, 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 it's about survival but it's more about protecting your yeah, children. It's, it's not a, they, they couldn't care less if they mm-hmm. made it. They would instantly choose to sacrifice themselves in a heartbeat if it meant that their children would live. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, this, is, this is just, it, it's, it almost gets comedic at some points with how bad everything gets and how bad everything just stays. Because yeah. le- uh, Lee leaves his wife down there with the newborn baby. And I remember this like big sigh of relief. Like, she just had a baby. 
she deserves to relax. She's going to take yeah. a nap. It's okay. And then when she wakes up, the basement I is know. flooded. She never gets a break. In <laughs> and a... not only is the basement flooded, a monster yeah. is there. She never gets a break. Poor. Uh, yeah, Jeez. yeah. And yeah, I couldn't help but just like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. But <laughs> but that's gone as soon as the baby is stirring again because this was another moment where I was like completely yeah. anxious because it disappears under the water so it's one thing to be quiet but she could bump into it while she's holding the baby and she has to walk behind the water like that's pouring Mm -hmm. down and i thought oh that's gonna make the baby cry too she's gonna have to like kind of like muffle it and and that's a really terrifying thing yeah oh my gosh yeah so much like I, i am not a father i don't have kids and i don't plan on having kids anytime soon and still i can put myself there on like uh I can't really put myself on the baby side, but I can put myself in Emily Blunt's situation yeah. and just be like, I, I can imagine what it would be like. Like, I don't know if it was my parents or if it was my sister or something. There's some thing either in your life or a hypothetical that you can create for your life that puts you into this scenario and makes it not just terrifying, but also mm-hmm. relatable. Yeah. And even you, if it's a monster. Exactly. Yeah. I, you know, also when it's I was... It's an adult fear. Yeah. I was thinking about this when I was watching the movie of how they've been surviving this whole time. Mm-hmm. There, I like wrote a list. Oh, please. And I love lists. <laughs> it's a pretty short list, but I wrote nurse question mark. So I wondered if Emily's character was a nurse because she had all that equipment. Yeah. And she, kinda, and she knew how to use it. She knew how to use it. She didn't seem too phased. I mean, by the labor, she was like, oh no, you know, it's happening. But she kind of went through it pretty... I guess as as calmly as you kind of can, especially with all the monsters. She did have three kids before this. Yeah. So she's kind of like, at this point, she knows like kind of what to expect, right. I bet. But that is interesting because no matter how many kids you have, I feel like you, you still wouldn't have a stethoscope or have, yeah. like maybe that was something they th- thought was really important to get mm-hmm. when they're going out back to the town. But I think that's interesting. It's also interesting that she's an educator and she like has like True. workbooks and lesson plans and knows like Shakespearean sonnets written on the yeah. back iambic pentameter and also with um john's character i was wondering you know i also put like technician like where or engineer he... yeah, yeah. And, like how did he get all this equipment did he like work at radio shack when it was around or that's another great like thing that? that they don't tell us but yeah. it's, it's great to infer and yeah and i mean that's maybe if those things are true you know we'll never know but you know that might be one of the reasons why they've survived for so long especially with knowing sign language all already they yeah. can you know they have um kind of a uh, huge advantage yeah advantage to you know communicating and not having to whisper all the time because even whispering you know they'll hear it Mm -hmm. so yeah that's um, that's just crazy is like it's kind of hard to balance like because they make a lot of just like incidental noises but even a whisper they can't do so it's kind of it's it's kind of like well wouldn't they have heard that but it's fine yeah Yeah. (laughs) because they're not they're not surrounding them they're probably like a few half mile away or something like that yeah right because they're fast though they're close enough to run back they are especially the, the old man I, that that when you were talking about how it was almost things were laughable i two two things that were really laughable for me the one <laughs> was anytime they actually talked it sounded weird oh almost. It, i was uh, <laughs> and i laughed because i was like <laughs> their voice sounds weird yeah yeah i was not prepared i was like oh they're gonna talk now yeah so it was funny because i was like oh i you know, I haven't heard someone speak in a while and it just doesn't sound like their voice. So it was like almost funny to me. Yeah. And then also, I, I just couldn't help but laugh at the old man when he screams. Oh, know. there's just, 
I didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. I, I was wondering, why is he just going to scream? And then I, I kind of thought about it. I was like, well, he's probably like, my wife's gone. It's time for me to go. And but he like, he like puckers his face. He's like, ah. And yeah, he like does a big <laughs> inhale. And then the scream itself is kind of disappointing when yeah. all of that lead up. <laughs> yeah. I was, I think they, I was wondering, because they showed that abandoned house. I was wondering like, oh, who's in there, you know? And then he shows up and he's just like. I don't know why. I just thought it was really funny. I was <laughs> relieved funny, that but... there was less going on there. I, I was worried. There was something about that scene that I was like, oh, great. We're going to spend yeah. a bunch of time with this guy now. Yeah, He's going to be oh, some man. like new addition or whatever. But no. He knows just... the secrets to the monster. He has the, the prophecy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's skip a little bit to um, Reagan and... Uh, 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 Marcus are separated. They mm-hmm. are not separated. Both the, they're together. They're separated from the parents. Evelyn asks Lee. She makes him promise him that they will be safe. That she he will go out and protect them. That's when he leaves and the flood uh, basement gets flooded. While he's out, uh, Reagan and Marcus have climbed to the top of the corn silo. Very smart. I don't know how yeah. they got out there on like a ladder or something, but uh, really smart. They light a fire. Doesn't last long enough, but um, unfortunately they fall in. Uh, Marcus falls into the silo. Another horrifying scare for me because. That happens. Farmers have died that way, is drowning yeah. in, in grain when you fall in. And you don't think, oh, drown, death by corn, kernels. You, you know, think, that's... <laughs> you, you, something about it thinks like, oh, well, even if I was completely submerged, there'd still be, like, air. But no. Yeah, no. And if you're not careful, soon you're inhaling solids, and yeah. then you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when Reagan goes under, oh, man, that was scary. Yeah. Those, uh, those kids were really resourceful in this movie. That door is yeah. questionably light. First, it's yeah, really yeah. heavy. Then it's yeah. really light <laughs> that they're able to hide under it. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the monster jumps down there. Uh, and that's where we get, I think, for the second time that Reagan has a one-up on these. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment before where they almost snuck up on her, which is great because she's deaf. And we see the thing behind yeah. her. But there's no sound. The sound is completely cut out. We're hearing what she's hearing, which is feedback. For yeah, some reason, yeah. when they're nearby, they elicit some kind of like electrical disturbance. The lights flicker, mm-hmm. her hearing, her cochlear implant uh, gives back feedback that hurts them. And uh, it hurts her too, because we can see her yeah, she's yeah, yeah. in pain. It's, it's really uncomfortable. It's like this shrill thing. Um, what I thought was fascinating is it's not annoying for us, the viewer. Yeah. That sound is usually a really annoying thing, but they found a way to mix the sound that it wasn't annoying to listen yeah. to from Which an audience nice. perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Because it, it basically, it doesn't kill them, but it, yeah. it capacitates them and makes them run away. Mm-hmm. Huge. Because that's what gets the monster that's in the corn silo with them to break out through those giant walls uh, and make it out of there. Same monster that can't break through the car's thin tin roof, but yeah. we won't get into that. <laughs> um, Lee eventually makes it to his kids, but they're trying to get back to the house where Evelyn and the baby are. She's watching them on security cams while the monster has cornered them in a different part of the farm. The kids are in a truck that we saw earlier. Uh, we saw Marcus play driving in, which I thought was fun. Like, they're kids. They have almost nothing. I'm glad he's still finding something yeah. fun to do. Yeah. Um, so the car comes back in that way. Lee is outside the car watching the monster tear apart the car and almost get inside. This is probably one of the best shots we get of the monster full-bodied. We see yeah, how we really see. big it is. Mm-hmm. It's as big as the truck, pretty much. And we see how, yeah, like how destructive mm-hmm. it is, too. Because he, um, I, he, I just gave the name of the monster he. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Gender neutral 2019. <laughs> he, Non-binary aliens. <laughs> the monster, like, hits 
John Krasinski's character and he goes flying and I and, thought he was dead and yeah you see him he's like bleeding out and you're mm-hmm. like whoa he really took some damage to that so you actually see how I don't know that was for me that was like whoa they're they're really destructive and it I seems mean, like they don't eat people they just yeah. to just kill them and just yeah. leave them where they are the old lady was mm-hmm. gutted and just there yeah yeah but um oh this part um, yeah go for it when he signed so basically he this he, is the big moment oh man he, he knows the only way that the kids are going to be okay is if he you know distracts the monster while they escape and pretty much before he does that he signs uh i love you i have always loved you and i i know it's oh it's a tear because what's happened <sighs> is reagan blames herself for Bo's death at the beginning of the movie um the toy the rocket ship that Bo had when he died reagan gave him he yeah. wasn't supposed to have it, and Reagan let him. Reagan let him have it. And the batteries aside, she blames herself for mm-hmm. it. And in a discussion between Lee and his son Marcus, Marcus thinks that Lee kind of blames her too, and he's mm-hmm. worried that this this lack of communication, quite literally, is resulting in suffering on both of their yeah. parts. And so the emotional story, the catalyst for this whole movie, comes to a head, like all good movies do, at the same time of, as the plot's climax when Lee signs to his daughter the admission, the reveal that I've always loved you. Mm -hmm. And all those months and year and a half that you thought I didn't love you because of that horrible Mm -hmm. thing, I've always loved you. And with this last act of screaming, I'm going to prove that. And he screams and the monster attacks him and the kids are able to get away by releasing the parking brake and rolling down the hill. Mm -hmm. And uh, movie's not over yet. I thought that was like, oh, okay, that's the big moment. But... Oh boy, they get down to the basement and a monster follows them there. And it's in the basement and they're looking right at it. (laughs) And it's like, it's trying to hear and it hears a TV and it smacks that. And in that moment, it's like, it's going to find them eventually. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to hear their breathing or their heartbeat or something. Um, that's when Reagan remembers the the ear thing, and she kind of like also noticed. There's a lot going on in that one mm-hmm. moment. She goes down there, she sees all of the work that her dad has been doing. She to was never improve. allowed down mm-hmm. there either, yeah. And I thought that was weird. Like, why? Why not let her see yeah. that work? There was nothing bad down there. It was just he wanted to keep the the hard work he was doing, mm-hmm. and I guess failing at. Maybe that was it. Is like he internalized that. I couldn't yeah. help her. Um, so he was kind of like an electrical engineer of some kind, because those mm-hmm. are like micro like yeah. wires and things. You gotta know how to do yeah. that. You have to figure that out. So mm-hmm. somehow uh, she figures out that she can turn it up and mm-hmm. amplify it. So she puts it like into a microphone and it basically weakens the monster to a point that its uh, head is exposed. They're armored. And up until now, it's been this place. Hey, welcome back. Our uh, episode today is brought to you by Leaf Blowers. Um, <laughs> they finally like find a weakness from their armor underneath their skin when the head is exposed emily blunt takes the shotgun that lee abbott uh loaded recently and blows its head off and and it's kind of squirming and you're worried for a little bit if it's Mm -hmm. really dead but no it is and they found a way to kill him yeah and then then they hear more they're like oh we know what to do i don't know how many more are coming but (laughs) probably a ton from that gunshot But they're ready. They're like, we know what to do. Oh, man, that's so badass. (laughs) The way they set that up. It gives me chills talking about it now. And that's a quiet place. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to point out, I read somewhere about um, when John Krasinski said, signs, I have always loved you. I remember reading that, I guess, when Millicent was reading the script, she suggested to John, you should change it to I have always loved you instead of I love you always or something. And I guess when... 
John heard that idea. He started crying he or cried. something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's such... I think that makes... It proves it even further that he, you know, never blamed her for it. He always has loved her. You know, mm-hmm. there is this, you know, divide between them always. and But, you know, he's always loved. So I thought that I, was really cool. I love hearing that because it shows a direct connection that the actor had to this story. Yeah. And that what you're seeing on screen is not like, oh, okay, hey, when am I done here? Am I going, yeah. you know, I'm going to a veggie grill after this. It's, no, he is <laughs> in it and mm-hmm. he knows this story in fact the reason he loved this uh, script so much was that emily blunt and he had just recently had a baby when the script fell into his lap and he was already feeling that am i a good enough father now imagine in this scenario and yeah mm-hmm. so that's why he carries it so well millicent in fact was really instrumental in making the character what we see in the movie in the script uh from what i understand she was much more like just uh when when she's having the argument with her father, she was not defiant in the script. She's she bends to him and she's mm-hmm. afraid of him. It was Millicent's idea that no, she should be defiant and in her sign language should be arguing. Stop, just stop, and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. That's so effective. And that was this actress's uh, input. Yeah. And that's why he cast her is because he wanted an actual deaf actress to give him that kind of input on set mm-hmm. and uh, confirm, like, is this what you would do? Is this what a family would do? Is this how they would communicate? Yeah. Yeah. That's a sign of a good director is when Absolutely. you can, you know, connect with your actor and, and see them you know as a human also within the character and that's you know a way you can see the characters not judging the character mm-hmm. is by understanding okay this is what they're going through so i think that was was really cool the Different. other side of that <laughs> coin is like how how do you direct your wife i know <laughs> uh, that must be so difficult like i know you're talented i know you're we're, we're equals here yeah and can you do that again yeah. with a little... <laughs> you can do it better. If you can you can do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that yeah. must be so hard. I always think, <laughs> like, um, Ben Stiller directed and starred in Meet the Parents. And I think, how do you do that? How do you direct yeah. and star in something? Lee, uh, Louis C.K., Ugh, started and directed in uh, Louis, and uh, yeah. he, he. I always wondered how they did that, um, mm. especially from this, like the bathroom scene. Um, from what I read, that was done in one take. That Emily oh, Blunt really? nailed it the wow. first and only time. Oh. Uh, and then as soon as John said cut, she dropped character immediately and said, "What's for lunch, guys?" <laughs> Just to mess with everybody. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's the story. Uh, in the basement scene towards the e- oh, no, sorry, I already, I already read that. Um, so uh, there are real family photos of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt with their real children used in the film to show the other kids as like younger versions mm-hmm. of them, which I thought was cool. Uh, the original screenplay only had one line of dialogue before it was broken up into the 25 lines that we have now. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the one was. It would have been cool to know. Um, Run or something. Yeah, maybe. Like that. Or maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe I've always loved you. Well, yeah. no. She needs to be signed to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, uh, what was, I, had, I had some other things here I didn't write down. Just something that, like, we were talking about diegetic uh, sounds earlier. This movie was very unique in that we were talking about Foley artists and how people would have to recreate them. This movie, they tried as hard as possible to get all of the sounds on set as they were. Like, the Monopoly stuff, the dice in particular, mm-hmm. would be a really impossible, difficult thing to pick up. The whole crew had to be absolutely silent so yeah. that they could get things like that, so that it could be as diegetic, as real as possible. So that was pretty cool. 
I always loved um, something I wrote down was the um, the sound whenever like the they heard the monster in the distance and they're like mm. everybody quiet. It was like this like the sound. Chroma- chromatic scale like sound. Yeah, that's it. The music <laughs> and, in this movie is amazing. Yeah, it was. I always laugh. Well. Watching it the second time, I'm like, oh, there's that sound again. You oh, know it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. good. There's a, I think it's the last time when yeah. it finally comes down the the stairs to the uh, the like control room where they are that that yeah. sound cue happens. And I'm so familiar with it at this point, and it sounds mm-hmm. exactly the same. That it's like, oh, it's the bad guy. Yeah, He's exactly. Back. Like you're saying. Um, so finally, I want to get into kind of the themes that we talked about earlier, specifically uh, the idea of safety and parenthood and that how far are you willing to go to protect your children and how much are you willing to sacrifice to make sure that you make a life that's better for the people before you. That's that's a universal thing. No mm-hmm. matter what country it pervades, language it pervades, uh, hearing loss, everyone under the sun can relate to that idea. Um, and I think that's one of the strongest themes in the movie. Yeah, and I think um, I read an interview that John said he doesn't like horror movies and he doesn't like them and you wouldn't think you know john krasinski's directing a movie and it's it's a horror movie I certainly a monster. Didn't. yeah and he said the reason why i really like this movie is just because the core value like the core of the movie is just about family and he said that i could see myself you know being that you know in that character's position so like you said yeah it's a universal well i guess that's know. being kind of presumptive do you identify with those themes i don't mean to say that every normal person in the world should get that is that yeah. is this something that you well, react to or yeah you know i think even not necessarily family because you know everybody's family dynamics different but you know there's probably someone out there that you know you're really close to that you'll you know you'll do anything for it's not necessarily you know has to be a mom or a dad or a a child or anything like that it might be you know a best friend that you know you'll you want to make sure that they're okay and you you value their happiness over your, your own in a way so i think that that you know caring for others and and people that you really care about. I think that relates to a lot of people. So I think you're right. I think it's emblematic of like something that we want to think of is in us. And mm-hmm. it kind of represents the best idealized version of yourself is that mm-hmm. if I was in this situation, I would also act selflessly yeah. and help the person I love to get by. Uh, even if it meant that I had to sacrifice myself. So yeah, I think it kind of, you know, holds a character up like that as somebody that we can look to for our mm-hmm. morals and for you know a uh, a way to lead to lead our lives which isn't to say that the moral of the story is to be self-sacrificing to your children right. there's certainly a balance when it comes mm-hmm. to real life uh when not in apocalyptic scenarios um but it's still yeah i think a nice grounded thing yeah. and it leads straight into uh the uh ingenuity that i feel like is kind of another theme of this movie is being proactive and self-reliant and being able to uh either survive or if you can't sur- mm-hmm. if you can't survive on your own make something that can help you survive survive or if you can't make something find something finding the the drive in yourself to create a solution to to survive yeah. um yeah and i think y- i guess that's more of a statement <laughs> no yeah I <laughs> what do you think i mean i think when um in a philosophical sense yeah. you know we don't really know what we're capable of capable of until we reach a point where we need to you know fight or flight you know sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. i think you know in that sense, you know, it's not super relatable because we don't know, like... Oh, a lot of us aren't pushed to that point. Yeah, but, you know, if we were in the situation, you might say, hey, you know, I do that too. I throw that timer and I try to distract and then go, 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 you know. So, you, you know, I think that you can say, oh, okay, you know, I, I'd, I'd do that if I were in that situation. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky because you're like, well, I don't know if... 
will ever have, you know, if I'll ever be running away from a kind of monster like that. But yeah. I think, oh, you know, if I was in this situation, that would be a good idea. And I know I would probably do the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, from a screenwriting standpoint, there's not a ton of other options for this character <laughs> exactly. to do. What's he going to do? Take his wife? and yeah. Or is he just going to run? Just abandon his yeah. whole family yeah. and run? Uh, no, it's heavily established, like in the first scene, that he loves mm-hmm. his family more than anything. And he'll make sure that they're safe. Yeah. And Emily Blunt really puts it on him, too, that it's not just me and you it's them right something i did want to bring up to you um when i saw this movie um i talked to a lot of people about it and either half of the people really loved it like me and then other the other half didn't like it was this a divisive film and the reason why they didn't like it was because they were mad that they got pregnant again and they were like well they knew that if they did that then you know they were gonna have problems and why would you bring a kid into the world and stuff like that so it is pro-life yes i was like oh wow like you know, oh man, I, I was I was surprised when I because I loved I just thought it was just a great movie. I didn't really think of that. So when people were like, I was so mad. They like they knew if they had a kid that they were gonna have problems. So I thought that was interesting. I was like, wow, you know, like I guess yeah, but also like we need the story. You know, <laughs> that is interesting story. So I thought it interesting how half you know the discussion was half people really liked it enjoyed it and then other people were like why did they do that why did they think of that so (laughs) my only response would be to them and not to you my only Mm -hmm. response would be that um from once again a thematic standpoint it represents the parenthood and the safety element that without the baby it would just it would be about the two kids and they're not like so i know you're you're peers aren't saying this but it's not like they're replacing the kid um from an even bigger standpoint that i think could be argued against um but it it is kind of like a um it is a pro-life kind of Mm -hmm. message idea that emily blunt is a woman and in control of her body and she is allowed to do whatever she wants and even if the scenario even if everything under the sun tells you that this will be a risky thing if that's something they want then they have absolutely every right to do it and to to make that happen and you can already see you know family means a lot to them anyway so they you know want to have a family then go for it yeah and that's the only way this race is going to continue everyone else they're all the same family no one else can make a baby except for the two of them children of men yeah yeah Yeah, exactly so i i thought that's a really interesting yeah yeah i when i someone any other reasons they hated it (laughs) i think that was just i think i think they didn't hate it i I think that was something they thought they're like oh why you know they complained about that but i was like yeah well, you know, they kind of in the plot. It helped the plot, you know. It yeah. kept things rolling. So I wasn't. I didn't really think of that until they well, mentioned I think it, it. So I thought it, it was an interesting conversation. To have. Absolutely, I think mm-hmm. it's just a huge character uh, motivator for the yeah. both of them is to have an immediacy to the like danger is like yeah, yeah the kids are unsafe, but we'll, we'll go get to them. The baby, baby's coming. Nothing's yeah. stopping this baby. And then you think, okay, we have to be really quiet. That's the whole movie. And then you think, what's the? W- you have to like what's something that you cannot be and it's labor you cannot be like it's you know known for people screaming and being in pain you know you can't keep quiet and it's a natural thing it's not a toy it's not something yeah yeah, it's not avoidable raises the stakes that's Uh for sure big time yeah and i'm not a woman but uh and 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 i can't physically have a baby but uh that's still anytime that's a theme or or a a part of a film that it's always like um I, i think i've seen a lot of women get pregnant get uh give birth Earth this year on TV. Uh, it was this movie, um, uh, Handmaid's Tale. I watched. Oh. Uh, I forgot the name of that actress, but it is a tour de force when she yeah. has to give birth to that baby all by herself next to the fireplace in that scene. <laughs> um, and I'm loving it. I'm loving seeing women portrayed uh, uh, giving birth as as like a. It's not a. It, it's not a 
story beat for mm-hmm. something else to happen. It is very important to the yeah. woman, and it is yeah. a huge part of her life. And mm-hmm. I really identify with that, like in a way that maybe is inappropriate, but just the idea of like. I have life in me. It's not a dump. It is yeah. something really important to mm-hmm. not just me. Like they, they could be something and there's yeah. something that like, there's a huge responsibility to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to put words in any woman's <laughs> mouth. I'm just, I'm just saying how I feel about no, it. No, no, for sure. Um, so the last theme that I noticed was uh, a kind of um, monasticism that they do. It's really easy to imagine this as a Buddhist temple, uh, that there are some places like this that take vows of silence and walk around barefoot and you know only uh do things that care for themselves or for mm-hmm. the land around them and it speaks to a respect to both nature in that they are terrified of the monsters around them yeah. and are forced to respect nature and also a uh what is it an abandonment of the material because they can't have it there are tons of things they simply can't have uh that still work ideally that they just can't use anymore they probably have cds and records and they could probably they have the ipod that's that's the thing that was a big (laughs) thing because um it takes place in uh so the gravestone for bo Mm -hmm. says he lived from i think it was 2018 to 2020 2020. yeah Mm -hmm. so we this movie takes place in the near future 2021 um but that said, everything's still pretty grounded. And I like that because it seems like once upon a time, movies were like, oh, it's two years in the future. Everyone's got flying cars and yeah. jetpacks and stuff. Now it's much more realistic. <laughs> like it's the future. Nothing's different. Yeah. Nothing's different. The only difference is there's just a monster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one, one more thing. I would be so pissed if I was Marcus and my mom was teaching me math uh, and science and stuff and I'm like society doesn't exist yeah. anymore these kids remember <laughs> before they remember the before four like yeah. it was only a few months ago or a year yeah. they still have memories of TV and their friends and stuff like that mm-hmm. so God, I don't need division. I have to learn how to, you know, kill a Ma- fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would be. I need to know how to like whittle or something. Yeah, yeah I'd be. I'd be so pissed. But <laughs> I never liked homework in the first place. He's like a really dutiful kid. Yeah. So, uh, did you have anything else you wanted? Did you have any other notes? Um, I think maybe the one other thing yeah, yeah, yeah. was I wrote that you know they're, I think since they're all trying to cope from the death of the youngest, um, they're all together, but they're all secluded. I think. You know, and I wonder if, you know, they, since they can't talk, if they were able to talk, they would be able to kind of solve the issue, if that makes any sense. Um, So I thought that was interesting. I was like, hmm, if they actually, you know, for some reason, if the monsters disappeared and they were actually able to speak, would they be able to work out the issues, you know, John's character and then, um, and then Reagan, would they be able to, you know... Not like saying, oh, we got to get into therapy and discuss the, you know, your issues. And family meeting. Family meeting. You know, they're secluded in a sense where they can't really always say what's on their mind. They just have to keep quiet. So I thought. Mm, That's fascinating. I love that. The idea that the lack of sound is isolating them yeah. from connecting from each other. Oh, that's it. so good. Yeah. That's great. I thought, well, yeah, they can't. They kind of just have to sit in silence and eat their dinner and, you know, they can't say, how was your day? You know, what, how are you feeling? It's more, okay, here we go, eating dinner. It's like necessity. Yeah. 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 Um, So I just thought of that. (laughs) Also, my God, if the only board game I had to play was Monopoly, I think I'd kill myself. I know. I was like, oh, I hate that game. It goes on forever. Yeah. (laughs) 
But they have a lot of time, so yeah, I guess that's true. You know. And they're playing like by the rules too, when yeah. they have no pieces. They're <laughs> yeah, the, the felt star. Yeah, yeah, that was really cute. Um, and then when he knocks over the the lantern, man, such a good oh. moment. Such a good moment. I, when I was watching it last night, my um, computer like it was delayed a second, so like they're still smiling while the crash happened, and I was like, huh? And oh. then I was like, oh, it's delayed, so I was like, That's I funny. need to watch that all over again. <laughs> that's definitely happened with me. Um, it'll be like when a character like pauses or something, yeah. and I'll be like, wow, that's a really long pause. Oh, it's frozen. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah. So uh, if without further ado, yeah, the last thing that we like to talk about is we like to rate our movies based. On anything we want, under the sun, based on whatever you want, we like to rate it on a scale of one to five thumbs, one being the worst and five being the best. Aileen, what'd you think of A Quiet Place? I really, really like this. I think I would say maybe four out of five thumbs, <laughs> thumbs yep. up. I think you really need to see this movie in theaters. I know it's not in theaters anymore, so it's really hard, but... When I went into the theater and saw it, everyone was quiet. Everyone, no popcorn. Someone sneezed and I got mad at them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, be yeah. quiet. Um, It'll take you out of it. Yeah, it's one of those movies that really pulls you in. And with the surround sound, everything like that, everything was amplified. And it's one of those movies that sometimes I feel like things, you know, movies nowadays, there are bits and pieces that take you out of it. And, you, you know, if you're at home, you look at your phone, you'll check Twitter for a hot second and then, you know, look up and, and resume but this movie really caught my attention the whole time and i think it was just because it was so simple we got okay hey they need to be quiet and that's how they survive like all right moving on mm -hmm. what's gonna happen next it was so simple that i think that it really was perfect in that sense so i really enjoyed it i think yeah four out of five if you need to see it you, you do need to see it. I think, I think it was great. I think it was one of my favorites of the year. I think, yeah, definitely trying to see it in a theater or some, some way where the sound can be really amplified and, you know, you can really just take it all in. So, so how about you? <laughs> probably find, like, a, a screening or something yeah. or, or rent out a theater if you can without, through Fathom or whatever you can. Yeah. So uh, typically we assign our thumbs to characters within the movie. Ooh. So who do your four thumbs belong to? You can spread them out or you can give all four to one person, I suppose. I, I think tied between Emily and Mil Millicent. Mm. I think those two characters were super awesome. I think their just acting was, was phenomenal. And I also think their characters were really strong and I really admired and I liked watching them and seeing, you know, how they're going to progress throughout the movie. So I, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, oh, you asked me what I thought. Yeah. Was. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love A Quiet Place and historically it's, it, it feels kind of weird to do this part because we've typically picked movies that no one would ever think were really five thumbs. Cause it's, mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, five stars, no one's going to go home and say that this is the best movie of the year. This might have been one of the best movies of the year. Certainly nice. one of the best horror movies of the year. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to remember what some of the past ones I've given five. <laughs> have you seen society? I gave no. that one five thumbs cause oh. I freaked love the body horror in that yeah that's a classic um, it. yeah it's filmed a lot in uh, la specifically oh, beverly hills yeah nice. really fun um and van nuys there's a yeah there's a shot of uh one of the high schools in van nuys um i gave that five thumbs but uh a quiet place is on a completely different level than anything i've ever covered on the podcast and i'm flattered that you brought it to me because I, I don't know I don't know when I would watch this film, but I'm glad I finally did. Yeah. And just like you, I, I 
typically so uh i I will usually have like a whole page of notes Mm -hmm. when i read when i'm watching this my notes end about uh two-thirds of the way down because literally as soon as i gasped the last thing i wrote i stopped writing because i was so sucked into it and that usually never happens Mm -hmm. i'm usually like keeping things down um so yeah this movie was freaking amazing Mm -hmm. i love the themes every single actor sometimes child actors can get like kind no offense (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh child actors could i guess no offense that's why you do your job so well is to make sure that what i'm about to say doesn't happen to most people is child actors can get kind of grating and like god sometimes they're just like eyes wander and they're just like their body language is so like un, not genuine and something about that but these kids these the performances these were great these are kids yeah. and they're professionals mm-hmm. these are professional actors they did an amazing job especially reagan um uh, played by, like you said, Millicent Simmons. I want to see her in more stuff. I want to yeah. see more deaf actors and actresses. Me too. Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see these kinds of stories. So this one in particular being the first of many, hopefully, to come. Not not Quiet Place sequels, yeah. but more movies featuring deaf uh, themes right. and uh, experimenting with sound. And the monsters aren't even like, they don't need to be that visually interesting. It's just mm-hmm. about the family. And they're more of a dressing. They're more of a setting for everything. So that said, uh, everything under the sun. I loved this movie. I'm going to give it five thumbs. Yay. And, <laughs> five and I'm thumbs. going to give those thumbs to several of the people that died in this movie. I'm going to give one thumb to Bo because he's going to need it wherever yeah. he is right now. I'm going to give another thumb to Lee, the dad, John Krasinski, because he, he did an amazing job yeah. protecting his kids. I'm going to give one to the old lady yeah. who we never met, but I'm sure she was great. I'm sure she had some <laughs> wonderful stories to tell um, or sign or whatever. I wonder how those other people were getting by they probably didn't know sign language no and they probably weren't engineers and all of that stuff they were probably doing (laughs) way worse um and uh finally i'll give oh wait that's only is that that's three so four my fourth thumb i'll give to the old man uh, so that they can hook thumbs with his (laughs) wife in heaven Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then the last thumb i'm going to give to the raccoon that (laughs) a lot of people forget about there's so unsung hero there are five deaths in this movie (laughs) Bo, lee the old lady the old man and that little raccoon that poor thing doesn't make it one of the few animals there's probably a couple scavengers that are like quiet like snakes and stuff that are still still around but um yeah (laughs) so that's a quiet place alien did you have anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up here no, thanks for having me it was a lot of fun to chat about it absolutely yeah, it so, so fun. is there anywhere that people can find you online twitter instagram facebook or do you not want people to find you online don't find me uh <laughs> i don't have anything yet but maybe in the future okay future cool you can be able to find me sorry just almost coughed there is there uh, anywhere <laughs> where we can find your work is there somewhere we should be watching out for when that script is done oh man uh <laughs> oh i feel so unprepared not I to blow up your spot that's oh no fine. that's okay i'm just like oh no i don't have anything ready i'm probably the most unprepared professional in la about that <laughs> i'm like not ready to you know what maybe eventually you'll see you'll be like oh I recognize that name. Okay. So <laughs> right now I don't. So sorry. No, that's fine. Sounds like, a, to, sounds like a challenge to yeah. whoever out there thinks they're the least prepared person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Watch out. Aileen's walking around yeah. out there. Well, thanks a lot for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Have a gory days.